Greetings, this is podcast number 46 of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Clark from TheRationalRadical.com, www.TheRationalRadical.com. Today we're going to discuss the latest and perhaps most egregious attempt by the right wing to redistribute even more of America's wealth from everyone else to the already super rich. Let's get right into it. Right-wingers in Congress are trying to repeal the estate tax. The Republicans fortunately failed last week. They fell three votes short of the 60 votes they needed to prevent a Democratic filibuster on the issue. Two Republicans, George Voinovich of Ohio and Lincoln Chafee of Rhode Island, defied the GOP leadership and voted with the Democrats. Since the estate tax repeal was pushed by right-wingers, you've got to expect there would be plenty of lies put forth about it in an attempt to gather support. Your expectations would be met. You've also got to expect that repeal of the estate tax would, as all right-wing measures, benefit not the majority of Americans, but only the richest. On that, you'd be correct as well. I'll start today by debunking the three big lies about the estate tax repeatedly told by right-wingers, and then we'll get into the question of what is it about repealing the estate tax that could compel the often spineless Democrats to threaten a filibuster and even induce some Senate Republicans to defy the White House. My sources for this segment are articles, editorials, columns, and letters to the editor from the New York Times, prepared remarks by Senator Harry Reid, and material from the Center for Economic Policy Research, ResponsibleWealth.org, Public Citizen, and United for a Fair Economy. The Three Big Lies The first big lie told by the right wing about the estate tax is the very name given the estate tax by the right wing. The right has succeeded in renaming the estate tax the death tax in the public mind. Republicans have been instructed never to use the words estate tax, only the phrase death tax. Quite a scary name. Probably tested sky-high for negativity when Frank Luntz or one of the GOP's other polling and word-testing gurus conducted focus groups. No one lives forever. Everybody dies. Fully 100% of us will die. So if this is a death tax, 100% of us will pay it right? If so, this is certainly a lousy tax, a horrible tax. People shouldn't have to pay a tax just because they die. I'm going to join the right-wingers and oppose this abominable death tax. 
That's the thought process that undoubtedly goes through the heads of many Americans when they are asked their opinion of a death tax. The problem is, it's not a death tax. Everybody doesn't pay it when they die. It's virtually the exact opposite. It's exactly what the accurate, non-right-wing distorted name says it is, an estate tax. It's a tax on estates and kicks in only when the transfer of wealth reaches millions of dollars. Currently, all estates under $2 million for an individual, $4 million for a married couple, are exempt. What that means is 1% or less of Americans wind up paying it. 99% of Americans don't pay any estate tax at all. Repeat, 99% of Americans don't pay any estate tax at all. Maybe you could say it's a multi-millionaires and multi-billionaires death tax. That would be more accurate. But not plain old death tax with the universality and irrational trigger for payment that that implies. So you anti-estate tax advocates, please stop calling it a death tax. Oh, wait a minute. You're right-wingers. You're congenitally compelled to be dishonest. The second big right-wing lie about the estate tax is that it's double taxation. Right-wingers scream that, hey, this money was taxed when you earned it, and now it's being taxed a second time when it's transferred to your heirs. We can't tax money a second time. The problem with this right-wing smokescreen is, we tax money not only a second time, but a third time. In fact, an infinite number of times as it passes from hand to hand. Quote, All income is taxed many times as it streams through the economy and in and out of families. Close quote. Your boss pays you, and your money is taxed coming in. You use that money to pay for some clothing, and your money going out is taxed again in the form of a sales tax. Your money is being taxed twice. Yes, that's how it works. But even if you want to accept the double taxation complaint, the fact is that much of the wealth subject to the estate tax has never been taxed before. Why? Because it's not from wages, where income tax would have been paid, but instead, much of accumulated wealth is from profits on things like stocks, bonds, real estate, etc., that isn't taxed until the item is sold. And obviously, if something is still in someone's estate, they never sold it, so that profit was never taxed. For example, you buy some stock for $1,000. It goes up and up and up every year you're alive. 
by the time you're called to that great right-winger free party in the sky, the stock is worth, say, $1,500. You never paid the tax on the $500 profit when you were alive. So when your heirs receive ownership of the stock, when that wealth is transferred to them, they have to pay the tax on that profit. In the year 2004, two-thirds of the wealth in estates valued at over $20 million was in the form of real estate, stocks, and other business investments. All the capital gains contained in those estates was never taxed. When an estate tax is applied, it will be. As the New York Times put it in an editorial, quote, Some multimillionaires and their congressional supporters have the gall to say that the wealthy should not be penalized. Estate taxes imposed after one's death are no more of a penalty than income taxes withheld from paychecks. Close quote. The third big lie in the rights propaganda campaign is that the estate tax causes the loss of family farms and small businesses. The right would have you believe that all across the nation countless family farms and small businesses have to be sold against the desires of the grieving family of the deceased in order to raise funds to pay the evil death tax. Senator Judd Gregg, Republican of New Hampshire, proclaimed recently, quote, It makes no sense that the United States, which should be a bastion of promotion for entrepreneurship, and certainly a bastion that supports the family farm, the family restaurant, the family gas station, the family entrepreneur, is taking those families at a rate which is higher than the French. Close quote. Nice how we managed to throw in there the despised cowardly French, those bastards who didn't support our decision to destroy Iraq. In a way that Senator Gregg wouldn't like, that may not be an altogether inappropriate reference, as you'll see in a minute, after we go over the most salient fact here. That fact is, quote, Very few small businesses and family farms pay any estate tax, and an even smaller fraction suffer any liquidity problems as a result of the tax. Close quote. Indeed, many years ago, the right was called on this very question. Supporters of the estate tax challenged the American Farm Bureau to identify a single farm that was lost that had to be sold because of the estate tax. The American Farm Bureau has never produced a single one, not even one. And as Senator Harry Reid, the Democratic leader, noted, the Small Business Council of America opposes the Republican plan to repeal the estate tax. Why? Because as presently written, quote, repeal of the estate tax will actually harm most small business owners, close quote, because of the changes it makes in other tax benefits they receive. 
Now, getting back to les Françaises, why was Senator Gregg's reference to the French telling? Well, when I was thinking about the non-existent lost family farms, another right-wing lie of non-existence immediately came to mind. The non-existent WMD stockpiles in Iraq. What's truly amazing is, just as Bush lied about the non-existent WMD in Iraq, he even outdid himself when he lied about non-existent lost family farms in America. Quote, The story of people having to sell the family farm to pay the tax was getting fairly good play until Pulitzer Prize-winning New York Times reporter David K. Johnson found that there were no known instances of anyone having to sell the family farm due to the estate tax. Even though President Bush said he had spoken with such farmers in June 2001. Close quote. Bush claimed to have spoken to such non-existent farmers. At least Bush never told us that he personally saw any non-existent Iraqi WMD. One more critically important thing on this family farms issue. Democrats have offered many times to exempt family farms and small businesses or otherwise to protect them, and Republicans reject those offers, demanding total repeal. Protecting family farms and small businesses is not a right-wing concern. Whenever a right-winger says he's doing something to protect the little guy, the little guy better hold on to his wallet for dear life. Okay, let's take a short break with some music, and when we return, we'll go even deeper into today's example of right-wing evil. The kind of catapult of propaganda. In my line of work, you got to keep repeating things over and over and over again. The kind of catapult of propaganda. Beyond the right-wing lies we've just debunked, the death tax misnomer, the phony double taxation scam, the mythical lost family farm, what is it about repealing the estate tax that causes Democrats to grow some cojones and threaten a filibuster and some Republicans to defy the White House and side with the Democrats. Here it is. The manifest irresponsibility and immorality that repealing the estate tax would entail. As I said earlier, the estate tax is only incurred by at most the richest 1% of Americans. The wealthiest 1% of Americans now own, according to the U.S. government's own figures, 32.7% of the nation's wealth. Yes, that's right. One out of a hundred Americans, one hundredth of the American people, control nearly one-third of the nation's total wealth. How much more do they want? They're 
obviously not satisfied with 32.7%. I just wonder, don't you? Would they be satisfied with 35%, 40% of the nation's wealth? Maybe they want 50% or even more. Their greed knows no bounds, since they already have enough money to last them a hundred, in some cases a thousand lifetimes. Their desire to repeal the estate tax and aggrandize unto themselves even more the nation's wealth is a disease, an affliction, a mental disorder, even, if you want to use fundamentalist terminology, a possession by the devil. In fact, the very, very, very ultimate prize for greed beyond the wildest comprehension of us normal people must go to the 18 families. Who are the 18 families? No, not some loose mafia confederation or governing council, although they well could be. No, According to a recent report by the groups Public Citizen and United for a Fair Economy, 18 of America's wealthiest families, including those paragons of fair-minded, spread-the-benefits-of-prosperity, the Walton family of Walmart, 18 of America's wealthiest families have been the ones spending millions of dollars aggressively lobbying their right-wing political allies is puppets the better word, for repeal of the estate tax. They're the ones pushing this insanity. How much money is at stake for them? Hold on to your hats. The repeal of the estate tax would gain these families $71 billion. What do you call people like this? The top 1% who aren't satisfied with owning one-third of the country, and the even more elite, 18 families lusting after an additional $71 billion. Let's appropriate the fine voice of Bill O'Reilly, who, speaking in another context, uses the perfect terms to describe such people like the 18 families, and indeed the right-wingers like himself, who do their bidding. It's greed. It is greed. What would you call these people? These people are greed heads. Come on, Bill. You can do better than that. These are greedy bastards. That's more like it. And what's the result of their greed? Greed always destroys. Am I wrong? Bill, you're holding back. Sock it to them. And they hurt I'm not going to get into Exactly. Some of you out there, especially you, as I now call you, misguided souls, some of you right-wingers are probably saying, oh, that Jack Clark, why is he so jealous of the super wealthy? How does it hurt him, or anyone else for that matter, if they get to keep more of their money? I'll tell you how. By different calculations, repealing the estate tax would reduce government net revenue by up to $1 trillion in the first decade. Remember, 
a trillion is a thousand billion. Repealing the estate tax will cost up to $1,000 billion over the next decade. Seems like the $1 trillion figure is becoming more commonly used lately. We're bandying it about. Just a couple of weeks ago, I told you that under the latest Bush tax cut that had just been passed, almost all of the benefit went to the wealthy, and it would also cost the government a trillion dollars over 10 years. As Senator Everett McKinley Dirksen supposedly quipped sometime in the middle of last century, a billion here, a billion there, and pretty soon you're talking about real money. Updating that to take into account inflation and the hyper-greed of the Bushian right wing compared even to their already lusting after lucre conservative forebears, I guess we'll now just have to say at this dawn of the 21st century, a trillion here and a trillion there, and pretty soon you're talking about real money. In fact, enough money when the government is deprived of it to, as Republican strategy guru Grover Norquist put it, shrink government down to the size where you can, quote, drown it in the bathtub, close quote. This is the starve the beast strategy that the right has been implementing ever since Ronald Reagan took office. One of the best congressmen is Vermont's Bernie Sanders, truly a good guy. He's running for senator from Vermont now and is likely to win. He appears in a Brunch with Bernie segment every Friday at the beginning of Tom Hartman's terrific radio show. Here was Bernie last week, showing how he certainly understands what's going on. The idea that when you have a nation in which millions and millions of people live in poverty, and that situation is getting worse, a nation in which 46 million Americans have no health insurance, that situation is getting worse. At a time when we're losing millions of good-paying jobs, that situation is getting worse. The United States Senate thinks that the most important issue that they can focus on is how you lower taxes for the richest of the American people. Then on top of that, we have a president who says, oh, yes, we can afford to give hundreds of billions of dollars in tax breaks for the richest. But you know what? I guess we have to cut back on Medicare, and I guess we have to cut back on Medicaid, and certainly we have to tell middle-class families in America who want to send their kids to college, that they're going to have to pay more because we have to cut back on financial aid. And, oh, yes, we have to eliminate nutrition programs for low-income seniors. And those veterans who put their lives on the line defending this country, well, you know, we've thrown a couple of hundred thousand of them off of VA health care already. We may have to throw out more because we just don't have the money. Oh, yes, but we do have the money for huge tax breaks for the wealthiest. And you know what? Even after all these cuts the government will still be short on money for expenditures that the right supports, like our gargantuan military budget. So where do you think the government will find the money? As the Responsible Wealth Organization succinctly puts it, quote, the burden of paying for public services will shift to low- and middle-income taxpayers, close quote. In other words, 
as Mark Weisbrot of the Center for Economic Policy Research elaborates, quote, Many people think that such changes don't affect them if they are not rich. But since the government does not stop spending money, the result of these changes is that people who get their income from labor rather than ownership, the overwhelming majority of Americans, will end up paying more taxes so that rich people can pay less. Close quote. Like I said earlier, the right says we're looking out for you. Hold on to your wallet ever more tightly. Hold on for dear life. This is how blinded the right is by their greed. Even now, before the $1 trillion additional reduction in government revenues, the very security of our nation is being impaired by the tax cuts already passed. Forget about mundane stuff like college scholarships and health care and cancer research. Recently, there was a measure in Congress to have more stringent inspections of those giant cargo ship containers, millions of which enter U.S. ports every year. By some estimates, only 5% of them are adequately inspected. If Al-Qaeda is going to smuggle a nuke into the U.S., it's far, far more likely they'll hide it in a giant shipping container than try to smuggle it on the back of someone trudging through the Arizona desert. This improved container inspection would have cost $648 million. That's million with an M. In other words, less than $1 billion with a B dollars. But Congress decided that we can't afford this security. It's too expensive. So in the eyes of right-wingers, it's perfectly okay to cut government revenue by a thousand billion dollars so the ultra-wealthy can hang on to more of their riches, while at the same time contend that we can't afford to spend less than one billion dollars, one thousandth the amount on anti-terrorism security measures. Which brings me to the final point here. You wouldn't know it listening to right-wingers, but the estate tax was instituted in 1916 to actually pay for war preparations. World War I was looming, and Congress believed, quote, that the most privileged members of society should help pay for the nation's military effort." Close quote. At the time, the estate tax had wide public approval. Indeed, an estate tax had been earlier advocated by such diverse figures as Theodore Roosevelt, William Howard Taft, and Andrew Carnegie. Teddy Roosevelt said, quote, the man of great wealth owes a peculiar obligation to the state, close quote. That would apply especially in times of war. But right-wingers apparently believe the opposite. Listen to what Tom DeLay said in 2003, and I'm not making this up. Quote, Nothing is more important in the face of a war than cutting taxes.
close quote. Nothing is more important in the face of a war than cutting taxes. Paul Krugman fittingly refines the delay principle, quote, A more precise statement of the delay principle would be that nothing is more important in the face of a war than cutting taxes for very, very wealthy people, like the tiny minority of Americans who are heirs to really big estates, close quote. I have often quoted noted economist John Kenneth Galbraith. He passed away a few weeks ago at the age of 97. Rest in peace. He wrote, quote, The modern conservative is engaged in one of man's oldest exercises in moral philosophy, that is, the search for a superior moral justification for selfishness, close quote. Please allow me to introduce you to what I have long called the Jack Clark Corollary to the Galbraith Rule. It posits, everything the right wing does is designed to accomplish one of two things, either A, transfer wealth from everyone else to the rich, or B, distract everyone else from the fact that A, that wealth transfer is occurring. This estate tax situation is the perfect illustration of the Jack Clark corollary. Congressman Sanders would agree. As to A, transfer wealth from everyone else to the rich. Yesterday, as you know, the uh, Senate dealt with the repeal of the estate tax, uh, which the Republicans have labeled the death tax. And I think after all is said and done about all the horrendous things that the Republican leadership does, what it really all comes down to is how can we make the wealthiest people in this country even wealthier while we cut back on the needs of the middle class and working families. And I think yesterday's effort was the epitome of what this is all about. And as to B, distract everyone else from the fact that A is occurring. It's not an accident, by the way, that in the same week we deal with this, you deal with, you know, the constitutional amendment on, on gay marriage, which is very clearly a political attempt to deflect attention away from the real issues that face the American people, the decline of the middle class, the growing gap between the rich and the poor, the disintegration of our health care system, the war in Iraq, global warming, and all these other issues which the president has nothing important to say about. Remember, a recent poll found that 60% of the public felt that wealthy families pay too little in taxes. Obviously, if the public understood that the estate tax is not a death tax, not a tax on everyone when they die, but a tax only on estates worth millions of dollars, the public would be horrified at the prospect of eliminating it because they already feel the wealthy pay too little, are not paying their fair share. Of all taxes, the estate tax, quote, is the most progressive tax in the country because its impact is almost entirely on the nation's richest families, close quote. The estate tax is therefore the last tax the public would want reduced, let alone completely eliminated.
So there you have it. Redistributing more of the nation's wealth to the top 1% who already have an obscenely large 33% share. Starving the government beast so it can't afford social programs even so much that it can't afford war on terrorism security programs. And achieving these goals with distortions, half-truths, and lies. When Republican Senator Voinovich was explaining why he was defying the Republican leadership to side with most Democrats in opposing any estate tax repeal, he said that in our present day and age, even thinking of repealing the estate tax would be, quote, incredibly irresponsible and intellectually dishonest, close quote. Irresponsibility dishonesty? Why, just add greed to that. And what you've got? Irresponsibility, dishonesty, and greed. Why, you've succinctly encapsulated the right-wing formula to govern by. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right. Also, remember to vote for Blast the Right at podcastalley.com. There's a one-click link for each of those on my podcast homepage. A special shout-out to all you live 365 listeners. Come over to the podcast homepage, sign up for free, and you can download any episode of Blast the Right anytime you want. Here's a word from the Progressive Podcast Network. Hi, this is Nancy of Wake Up AM, Wake Up America podcast. Kathy, Meg, and I are proud to be members of the Progressive Podcast Network. Check out all of the great podcasts over at NewMediaRevolution.org. A special request to all of you out there subscribing through Yahoo. Right-wingers are going there and giving me zero or one-star reviews. I wish a bunch of you would go there and give me some five-star reviews to get my ratings back up. I urge everyone, if you liked what you heard Bernie Sanders say during the podcast, go to the website for his campaign for Senate and support him there, Bernie.org. Bernie.org. Music credits. The bumper music was Catapult the Propaganda by Nye's Music. We'll close the podcast on a lighter note with a minute or two of the tune Clinton is to blame O from the CD Sing Along with the Democrats by the group The Freedom Toast. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on my data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. Your email has been great. Keep it coming in. Write to me at rationaladelphia.net. You can also leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. You can also Skype me at Jack from Blast the Right. So... Until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls.